What was that? That was a burp. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 296. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Perlman, and I am joined this evening, afternoon, morning, drive to work by the one and only Charles Featherer. Hello, hello. And this episode is brought to you by Raid Shadow Legends. What? We got a sponsor? No, 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 absolutely not. Never, ever. I just wanted I just wanted to say that. That's it. That's the new bit. Every week we're going to have a new fictional sponsor. uh, Sponsor. Yes. New fake sponsors. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Also, you're hearing a third voice. Uh, We have back with us for this very special episode. uh, One Vona Ruste. That's me. Hello. Hey, howdy. And uh, as we now have three heads, we're going to be talking about... Emperor, right? Emperor, right. Team team trios. Team trios. That's a big thing these days. In hindsight, probably would have been a more thematic thing to do. But instead, we're going to be talking about two-headed shine. We probably would have had less space to fill an Emperor episode just because... How much do the three of us have to say about that format? I can wax poetic about Emperor. I love that format so much. I I did get to watch some Emperor somewhat recently. I have no experience with it, so I I would have to... I have talking the T.O. into, for uh, Command Fest Orlando, into having Emperor Emperor events. And uh, uh, so so far, I have not had any success, but um, I'm going to try and make it happen. Anywho, two-headed giant. Dun dun dun. That's it's just terribly exciting. I, I I don't know what to say after that. I'm I'm enthused. I'm happy to be here. Um, yeah, uh, that's okay. all. I I've love got. two-headed giant. Unironically, I think it's a fun format, and I have a bunch of positive experiences playing it. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> so, so two-headed giant. Two-headed giant. Why do we need to know two-headed giant? Like, why even bother? Because if you just talk to people, they, I don't know anybody that plays Two-Headed Giant. Um, I, I have two reasons for it. Uh, the, the first is is that it's a common uh, site at just about every pre-release that runs more than a couple of uh, events. Um, if a store runs in the order of five or six events, typically two of them are going to end up being pre-releases. So yeah, pre, uh, two of them are going to end up being Two-Headed Giant. So yeah. you'll see that at, at stores during pre-release. Uh, and then the other reason is, is that they're becoming a um, real draw for uh, the Magic Cons and the larger events. Uh, you will see them all over the floor there. Um, last event, they tried to put most of them into one area, but you know you could be a passing by and get a judge call and suddenly find yourself in the middle of two-headed giant land. And it's a good idea to have some uh, recent information on that so that you don't make a, a bad call there. Yeah, turns out people come to go to conventions with buddies. It's true. It, it and, does happen. And you know, you know, what's better than entering into an event and then playing a bunch of playing three uh, 1v1 matches and, and only talking to your buddy after you finish your round? Emperor? Uh, crushing your buddy in that 1v1. <laughs> Well, I said, you know what's better? There's lots of things that are better. That is one of them. 
Uh, I, oh, oh, uh, let's go with, um, playing with your buddy and dream crushing randos. Right, right. Oh, that, that sounds like okay. fun. Which, which gets us into, if you've been living under a rock, a uh, two-headed giant is a multiplayer format where a team of two, you and your buddy, play against another team of two, them and their buddy. Just kicking back, it gets its name from a alpha card called the two-headed giant of four eyes spelled f-o-r-i-y-s because i love puns <laughs> yes now now when i didn't realize that this was a pun i always called it like forest yeah for you know if you asked time. me if you asked me to read that i'd probably be like i don't know it's probably like forius right <laughs> some sort so, of fantastical mystical sounding nah it's four eyes yeah it's because needs- it's got two heads it's got four eyes and the card itself, it's uh, four and a four and a red for a four four trample. Okay, it says uh, and it says may block two attacking two attacking creatures. Divide damage between them however the controller likes. That's not That's very clear at all. Nope, as as most of the words. But the format two headed giant evolved from that, where you have two people on a team, you have a shared life total. And you attack together, block together, you know, take uh, draw cards together, cast spells together, all that kind of thing. So th- it is like a two-headed giant attacking uh, another two-headed giant, mm-hmm. and it is it is a blast. I'm I do believe though that I am the only person in this in this podcast that has judged a competitive rel two-headed giant event. Uh, well. Uh, oh. Given that I am not, um, what's the word here? Uh, you say ancient. I was gonna ancient? say a dinosaur, actually. Um, uh, the, old fogey is, is where I was starting. Given that I'm not a dinosaur, uh, I uh, have never judged during the period of time when uh, competitive rel two-headed giant events existed. And when I was reading our show notes for this show and saw that that was a thing that existed, I was like. You know, listen, I question a lot of decisions that are made about how we organize tournaments and how policy is structured sometimes. They just got it when they said, no, we're not doing that anymore. They just... There, there was. There was in two, 2007, I think it was. There was a pro tour that was the format was two-headed giant. That's Let that sink in for exciting. a minute. Exciting. <laughs> that, really. that is really kind of kind of fun and wacky and stuff like that but yeah deck checks on a two-headed giant event back when uh misregistering your pool was a game loss oh i bet you have a lot of those oh oh yeah yes it was it was serious because even then like two-headed giant was still kind of like seen as a casual format Mm -hmm. and you know players didn't take it seriously it's that's what's that players didn't take it seriously enough no. That's twice the chance for someone to make a deck registration error. Right. Oh yes. And there were there were questions about like who's who who um I, I can't even remember what the rules used to be, but there was a whole lot of uh you had to I believe you had to assign cards to players for their sideboards. Uh, yeah. Oh, so I, that's a fun question. That came I, up several times at, at uh, Minneapolis. Oh, it with, sure did. With, with Build-A-Box. Uh, um, and, and interestingly enough, 
yes, the sideboards need to be assigned to individual players. And it mattered because we were doing mystery booster builder boxes there. And there were wish there cards. Were or, or, uh, uh, using a, a box. Uh, box sealed. Box sealed. Yeah. I, I want to do it like Build-A-Bear. Sorry. I, um, I... <laughs> box, box sealed uh, with either okay. team trios or, or, or uh, two-headed. I think two headed. Uh, we and, did do two headed, uh, two headed, uh, uh, yeah. As well, but the yeah, and it's... so they say they had wish cards, and they wanted to know whether or not they could just wish for any of the cards in the in the box that they weren't. Uh, not in, not in even each just player's wish cards. library. The, the big one, the big one that came up, uh, and the, the, yeah. I was I was the head judge for several of these these sealed events um, during MagicCon Minneapolis. Um, for for those who may be unfamiliar with the uh, mystery booster, there is a playtest card called Command the Chaff, which is a uh, six mana blue sorcery that allows you to cast a card from your opponent's sideboard. Oh, brilliant! Uh, Love it. You, you search their sideboard for a card and cast it for free. And the question was often, "Well, do I get to look at all of the cards they're not playing?" Um, yes. Uh, which yes. e at regular rel even the cards must be assigned to individual player sideboards uh, as dictated gonna, by I'm the gonna, MTR. Well, the MTR says uh, uh, cards not, and I'm reading this: cards not used in a team's starting decks are considered a shared sideboard by the two players that both players can access. Oh, this that That's, that was trios. That oh, I, trios. I crossed my wires here. Trios. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so two, I'm, I'm sorry. Two that, you're, you're right. No, you're right. I because I, I, I was I was thinking back to the trios thing. Okay. No, in a in a two headed so, giant game, yes. No, uh, thank you. In fact, for having that open because I was just ready to say something wrong with conviction. <laughs> that's that's almost the judge cast motto. Judge cast saying something wrong with conviction. Oh no. <laughs> um. All right. So. Um. So what we're going to talk about for this particular episode, other than just reminiscing about good old times, which we will do that as our dear listeners love, uh, we're going to be talking about the rules for Two-Headed Giant, and then basically the general rules, life loss gain, shared turns, how combat works, some of the differences between sealed and constructed. And then because these events are popular at your LGS for pre-releases and you might be asked to run them at a command fest or a magic con or something like that. We're going to talk a little bit about how running a two headed giant event is different from running your, your standard regular or your regular standard event. Either way, your regular standard or your standard regular, whichever. All right. So let's jump in. Sounds good. Um, for the rules for two headed giant, we're talking about an event that runs with two team with teams of two. Um, each uh, team will sit beside each other. They use what's called the shared teams uh, shared team turns option, which I believe is eight oh five, um, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as we get into it further. Life totals are shared. Life starts at thirty uh, for both teams, and yeah, in that, and that is a, a meme, That's a, like a, a live, laugh, love meme. Yeah, life yeah, does start at 30. Life does start at 30. Yes. And unlike Commander, uh, you have 15 poison counters uh, to kill a team. 15 um, in counters to 
join the glory of completion. Yeah, yeah okay, okay. I, I, I forgot we had Vona here. <laughs> um, with exception to, to the life total and the poison counters, players' resources... It used resources, to be 10. It did used to be 10, and they changed that. I'm not sure when they changed yeah. that, but I do remember uh, it being 10. They changed it fairly Maybe they changed to it. Scars of Mirrodin, I think, because aggro decks just uh, were overpowering Wiping the floor yes yeah yeah figuring I see out that, that you only case. had to do 10 damage was a lot less than 30 well when, yeah. when, also when both players were can... different uh regarding uh who who you could attack and how and how that that went down right as well and when both players have a complete library and, and mana resources and they can both cast proliferate it does get to be a thing rather quickly i would imagine Mm -hmm. um so uh with exception to the life total and poison counters player resources are not shared with their teammates so cards in hand individual libraries individual graveyards and so forth they're not shared mana is not shared yeah. either yep. i can't reach over and tap your creature you know nope to do a thing unless we're playing like battle bond did battle bond have that kind of uh, deal battle bond where we could has kinda... a mechanic that allowed you to when casting a spell offer to you know have your Help partner pay, pay for right? mana but yeah. you mm -hmm. had to start the step of casting the spell on your own yeah everything has an exception these days it feels like eh, most um, rules do uh, yes yeah <laughs> so uh the players are allowed to talk to each other they're allowed to share information with each other that often means you know looking at each other's hands the entire time and pointing at that random land that's in there referring to it as some wild kill spell. And they uh, will talk to each other. Oh, yeah. Bluffing is a thing. Bluffing's a thing. Okay, no, but... no, it's not actually a thing. Okay. <laughs> they think bluffing is a thing. But when you lean over and you're just like, okay, Charles, you cast that creature or, and, and then, or you attack with that. And then if they block, I'm going to cast this. And you point to that basic land in your hand. They know. Yeah. I know. They know. See, I, I just know. solved this problem so by just... talking to my teammates in uh, in French. Oh, there well, you go. That's nice. Go for it. But again, you ain't fooling nobody no. when you lean in and do that overly dramatic, like we're whispering, but we're really trying to be overheard, right? Kind of thing. All right, secret huddle. Don't listen okay. in now. Wink. I totally have a combat trick. Wink. Uh, so so there's a com there's a there's a note here about why turns take so long we're going to actually talk about that later but um as you can see by by my uh, wonderful co-host today um this is why turns take a little while in two-headed giant is is the give and take the back and forth that happens um yeah. think about how fast these episodes of judge cast would be if it was only one host particularly if it were me <laughs> Me. I don't know. I, I, could, I could probably talk forever. Okay. Which one of us is dragging the episode down? Um, yeah. Uh, this is it's enrichment. Multiplayer it's enriching. Magic. So, in Two Headed Giant, uh, you do get one free mulligan. Uh, that is, each player gets one free mulligan. Uh, but, unlike Ooh. other multiplayer magics, it's still sort of one-on-one -on -one, and so the team that goes first does not get to draw on their first turn womp womp all right uh with respect to winning and losing all right um if a player wins the game has an effect that says i win the game 
the team wins. If they have an effect that says, I lose the game, then the team loses. Um, if a card says you can't lose the game, then your team can't lose. You know, so uh, like Platinum Angel, hey, pretty good. Also, if a player concedes, that team loses. Okay, so it's really important to play with a buddy who is staying the same duration that you are. Because if, if they're like halfway into the match, they're like, oh crap, I gotta go. Well, you, you can't just do the, well, can I play their hand? I had a no. They had a player ask at an event once if they could play with a pumpkin they found outside while they waited for their partner to show up. So first, uh, I would talk to this player. I was like, first, that's an amazingly clever suggestion, and two, no. <laughs> it, it's different though. If the player slaps googly eyes on the pumpkin, then it's harder to say no. It could but, be like a carved pumpkin, like it's a jack o' lantern. It was but, Halloween. It's got a yeah, face. yeah, yeah. But still, say no. I'd at least think about it. <laughs> I'd give him a high five and then tell them. <laughs> it's like, that's really clever. Still can't play the pumpkin. Yeah, still no. Okay, and then uh, also if one of, the, one of the two players tries to draw from a, a library that's empty, uh, the, that player loses and, the and they drag their team down kicking and screaming with no, them. No, no loner library books from your, from your partner. You've checked out your yep. last last book. Yep. Yep, yep. Thank you for that. My my heart is now warm. We can move on. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I did my one good deed of the day. So that's the the basic rules. That's the the cliff notes version of how players will win or lose and and the idea behind it is that it's still kind of a single player but it's split between two people, right? Um, right, so we talked about losing, Yep. and the way you typically lose the game is by taking damage! We love damage, so we're going to talk about damage next. Sounds good. Yeah. Damage, or loss of life, and gaining of life happen to each player individually, but the result is applied to the entire team. And, and I say entire team, and I'm trying to be careful about how I say this, because you could have three-headed or four-headed giant. We don't talk about that variant too often, but it is possible to have a, a three-player or four-player two-headed giant team. I feel, I feel like that sentence could have ended without the too often. Just, you know, we don't talk about those variants. We, we just don't. We just don't. Don't talk about that. But it, it, it's possible. It, it is in the rules. You're allowed to do it. It, um, it is allowed. Just because you're allowed to do it. Just because you're allowed to do it, though, doesn't mean you should do it. We call it's possible that the molecules in my butt are going to align exactly with the chair and I'm going to fall through it Barry Allen style. That's also possible. <laughs> it's, it's what we call, uh, we, we call that a legal game action. You are allowed to take it. It's improbable, though. You can also stick a fork <laughs> in an electrical outlet. <laughs> don't do that. That's a thing don't, you can't do. do. I, I would advise don't, don't against that. that one. <laughs> oh, I'm not advising you to do it just like I'd I, I wouldn't advise a three-headed giant or four-headed giant. So the result is then applied to the team, right? Uh, uh, yeah. And, and each player takes four damage, then the team would lose eight life. And that happens simultaneously. Uh, double target player, if you do something to double the target player's life total and the team is at 20 life, 
then the total jumps up to 40, which is kind of cool. So that player gained, because the way doubling works is you gain as much life as necessary to set it to the, get it to the new value. So that player would gain 20 life. Um, Players uh, can also pay out of this life total resource together. Uh, You know, it's a shared pot and they can both take out of it. But if both of the players try to pay for something using life, they still only have the amount of life that they have total. Just because you have two people doesn't mean you can double dip on a quarter. So if if the team is at 20, Vona and I are on a team, I can't pay uh, uh, 20 life and Vona pays 20 life. We would have to break it down to like 8 and 12 or 2 and 18 or probably not something that adds up to 20 since that's going to kill us. Mm. But, and... Probably, I'm gonna say I suspect that these are gonna be some old cards. Like, there's a few two-headed giant rules that are looking at. It, I was like, these are these are rules specific for old cards that nobody plays. Like Norit. Like what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> um, uh, all right. So let me ask. Uh, uh, actually, I will ask that on the next paragraph. Okay. All right. Yeah. That- yeah. Anticipation builds. It does. Um let me let me let me set some expectations for that though and talk about oh wait, no, we we just covered that. Never mind. I you just said that. I I was trying to make a joke and I, it was about a thing we already talked about and now I just look silly. Portculus. Okay. <laughs> Portcullis. <laughs> Sorry. Is that wait, hold on. Is that word pronounced portculus? Have I been saying it wrong? Okay. No, it's port. It's it's like portcullis. Okay. The the old joke was was we had a card. The card was uh, portcullis, and C.J. Schrader, one of the former hosts, pronounced it porculus, <laughs> unironically. I like that. And That's fun. It, it it that is a true statement. Um. Okay. So if if uh so if an effect sets a single player's life total to a specific amount, they gain or lose however much life is necessary to get there. Um. Now, if an effect would set everyone on the team's life total to a specific number, uh, let's let's talk about biorhythm, okay? Everyone's life total becomes equal to the number of creatures they control, okay? Well, in that particular case, I've got four creatures, Vona's got one. Does our life total become one, four, or five? Uh, well, what sounds best to you? Well, what sounds best to me is I uh, my life total doesn't change because it's going to be really high because I like I like that. Uh, but well, um, I, I guess well, the but, thing that sounds best is really not yeah, the quite thing what we get. Yeah, the the thing is, so if an effect would set everyone's life total on the team to a specific number, then that team is going to pick a player for the effect to apply to and ignore the other player. I recommend so in this particular case, creature. we would ignore Rona, and all the attention would be on me. Which is where I like this it. This is so sad. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we would have uh, four. Bum, bum, bum. You also, uh, I hear, you can't exchange life totals with your teammate. Uh, we're already uh, because, sharing it. Because because you're already sharing it, right? So if the exchange would happen, uh, it just doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sad. Not, it doesn't. Instead, it just doesn't. It just doesn't happen. If yeah. you would pass go, stop. <laughs> yep. That's it. Just, just stop. Do not. Yeah. Absolutely not. And 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 that's not that's not like 
Um, the specific is if an effect would cause an exchange of life totals to happen, it just doesn't. It just doesn't. Um, I'm not quite sure how that works if exchange two target players' life totals, because the rules. Uh, I I think you would still be able to target you and your opponent uh, or yes. you and your if, teammate. If you have a soul conduit is the one that I'm thinking of because that's just the card that came to my mind. Uh, it's, yeah. you know, it's, you pick another, it's an artifact that you can tap it to exchange, uh, I believe it is your life total with another player or two target players' life totals, but you can target mm -hmm. your teammate. It just doesn't... Yeah. So for six and a tap, two target players exchange life totals is what Soul Conduit reads. So kind of useless. I don't think that 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 wouldn't fall into the rule of like you can't make it a you can't make it an illegal choice. Mm -hmm. Like you you know okay. I I don't think it falls into that. Yeah, no the game the game but... rules just step in and prevent it from happening. You you look at yeah. your friend and you go, I want to give you my soul, and the game's like, I need you to sit down. Yeah, I need you to calm down. Save, save, save that for after the battle. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, if an effect prevents one player from gaining life, uh, I have a feeling you think you, I think you know where this is going to go. So, Vona and I are on a team. I have a card that says I can't gain life, or I have a curse on me that says I can't gain life, and Vona wants to cast Healing Salve. Oh, I was going to go with Beacon of Immortality. I just nope, really wanted to make it bad salve. here. We're going with healing cell. Ooh. Okay, Vona wants to gain three life. I, I, Vona's not going to be able to gain three life. I really want that three life, though. That's gaining life. Conversely, if someone's got, like, Platinum card out that says he can... Platinum Imperion, yep. Then, then the opponent... Uh, not the opponent. The other teammate, uh, they're not going to be able to lose life either because your life total can't change. Also can't pay life. It's true. So if I have, like... One of those cards that says, like, you know, pay half your life total, destroy target creature, or something along those lines, or pay two life. Was greed? Greed, uh, greed is, yeah, you can pay a black and pay two life to draw a card. Yeah. Yep. Can't can't pay something if you can't change it. Yep. Yep. All right. But enough talk about regular damage. That 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 combat damage, that life total changing, that stuff's for the birds. Let's talk about the exciting kind of damage. Let's talk about. Poison. Commander that... damage? Oh, I was <laughs> damage. Uh, that's basically the same thing. Uh, I don't know. Uh, let's talk about poison counters in Two-Headed Giant. Uh, as we mentioned at the start of this episode, uh, poison counters are one of the two resources that a team shares uh, in addition to their life total. Um, if you have an effect that would cause a player to gain poison counters, those effects apply to the player's individually so if you had an effect like each player gains a poison counter that would cause a team to gain two poison counters or however many heads that giant had uh, if an effect is looking for how many poison counters a player has it will pull the team's poison count total uh, so for your cards that are corrupted and looking for a corrupted host all you need is three counters on any of your enemy team. You can put one on one of them and two on the other, and that'll be three total, and they'll both be corrupted and ready for completion soon. But if you had, if there was an effect that, some, that said something along the lines of, you gain life 
equal to the number of poison counters your opponents have. You would only get to count it once. It's not... You would only get to count it once. It's not, my, oh, well, you have five and you have five, because the team right. has five. There's only five poison counters over there. You can't double dip as much as that would be lovely. Again, it kind of circles back to the basic principles of Two-Headed Giant, where the two players are actually one person, one body. Mm -hmm. Now, in the day, back in the day, yeah. we used to have to do crazy stuff like your life total was actually half of the team's life total. And there were rules about when to round and stuff like that. So if you had an effect that questioned what your life total was or how many poison counters you had, you took the team's total and divided it in half. And then you did whatever operation you were supposed to do on that. Wow, that's horrible. Yes. <laughs> it, well, in the before times, the rules were more confusing. It's, well, hold on. It's horrible now. All I'm hearing is that but things if, got better when the Phyrexians invaded. We have better rules now. Everything They, they, they did clean up a lot. Um what what happened what happened was is i think the rules that they had 12 years ago worked for the cards that were out 12 years ago and then they just kept making more things. kind of pushing the boundaries of what cards can do though yeah so they they ended up having to do an overhaul i think i want to say that they did the overall around like 2014 2015 they did a massive two headed giant uh, i think right before like battle bond yep it was right before battle bond yeah so in preparation for uh, and much like before with life totals, uh, if a player cannot gain poison counters for any particular reason, uh, then neither person on the team can gain poison counters. So your Malira gets to pull double duty and help your friend out too. <laughs> the real joke is that I said that was helpful. You should really help people by giving them all the poison counters you can. I, I, knew, I knew it would be... Just wonderful having Vona explain the poison counter stuff. Uh, you uh, know, fun, 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 fun fact about Phyrexians is just uh, I have been dying to talk to Mary Catherine, the wizard's mother of language, but I've been digging into the Phyrexian language and ha can at least greet, uh, you know, our wonderful, our wonderful friends when they do come to come to complete us all. Yeah, but I thought something happened to uh, Elish. Um, something sad. You know, uh, tragic, really. I don't, don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. She'll, she'll, she'll be right. She'll like, be right. Like, we, I can't get so excited. Like, some random dude just, like, killed Boromplex, right? Like, how, how hard can they, you know, how tough can they be? I mean, it only takes 15 squirrels to block, to, to kill Emrakul. I mean, yeah. I, hold on, hold on. I forgot. Rexies did kill my interest in magic so maybe maybe they actually are pretty powerful um i thought so that was anyway. stickers now stickers wounded oh <laughs> like the phyrexian story it's okay it's all right you can put a sticker over that wound like a band-aid i recommend the mind sticker personally and as we share all these thoughts maybe we can share some stuff about turns well, that sounds like a great idea it sounds like a good idea. Um, one of my favorite rules about Two-Headed Giant is that the rightmost player is the primary player. Um, we, I often call him the right head 
is the primary player. Uh, what that means is that if there's some kind of a disagreement between the, the team members, uh, in the end, if a judge is called over or if, or if a decision has to be made, the right player, the player seated in the right-hand seat, gets to make the choice whether or not to attack, uh, whether or not to block, what have you. Um, if there's some disagreement amongst the players, the right head is the correct head. Imagine that. I think it's very funny because some teams will switch seats in between matches. I, I yes. like That's... I like when I, I see teams that are arranged differently in between matches because this very rarely comes up. Generally speaking, if two players are having a disagreement um, and it needs to come to this, they're probably not going to be staying friends for very yeah, long. Yeah, I, I like, don't think that, is... that, uh, that that game has a lot of longevity in it for other reasons. No, no, no. They they might be an O2 drop out of a three-game right. three round. But This is just a rule because there yeah, has to be one. It, it has to be one. Um, with mulligans, the players on the starting the players on the starting team each would declare if they want to take a mulligan, and you figure that out before you actually take them, and then you simultaneously do the mulligans. Okay, so the the shared turns. Uh, not only do you take mulligans at the same time, you're going to take go through the steps and phases of the turn at the same time. So each player doesn't have, uh, or or there is a team upkeep there is a team draw step that kind of thing so you take turns at the same time you have an active team and you have a non-active team you untap together you draw your cards together i mean there's you still have to like i draw my cards you draw your cards there's 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 an order but you're gonna you know the draw steps together you're going to you know you have your pre-combat main together um triggers work a little bit different or there there are two different type of flavors so there are triggers that do things like trigger at the beginning of each upkeep. Okay, there is um, there's a team's upkeep. Okay, we have gone we went from untap to upkeep. There's just one, one for my team, one for your team, one for my team, one for your team. Okay, so that's only going to trigger once for upkeep. But there are cards that say at the beginning of each player's upkeep. Now in that particular case, there are two players on each, you know, on each side, on each, you know, so in the upkeep, there are two at the beginning of each player upkeep trigger. Even though there's only so one upkeep, twice. you are both still a player who is having a beginning of upkeep happen, and so you will have yep. two triggers generated. Yep, yep. That came up at MagicCon Minneapolis as well. Yeah. Cramped Bunker. Pretty good in that regard. Teams have priority, not players. Okay. So, and if one or more, uh, if, sorry, if more than one player on a team is supposed to draw cards, then the team is going to decide whichever player draws first. So if it's each player draws three cards or each player's on the team draws three cards, you don't get to say, like, I'm going to draw one, then you draw one, I'm going to draw one, you draw one, and you get to onesie, twosie, it back and forth. It's No, it's you get to decide which player is going to draw their three first, and then the other player is going to draw their three. With respect to... Triggers going on the stack and stuff like that. It's at nat instead of app nap. So active team, non-active team. And then within, if players within the team have triggers to go on the stack, then they get to decide amongst themselves how they want to put them. So so what happens if 
someone gains an extra turn or an extra combat or something like that if we're doing shared shared turns. Uh, well, I think that if I'm going to take an extra turn, you know, it's not an extra turn if I don't get to share it with my good teammate and buddy B. Prill. Uh, so if I take an extra turn, then my whole team gets to take an extra turn. If I lose a turn, though, I am going to drag you down with me. Story. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, it's it's not a victory unless we win together, or if we lose together. This also uh, refers to the parts of a phases. Uh, parts of a turn. So, like, an extra combat step, similar to an extra turn, would be taken by the team. And and this also <laughs> reminds me of the other thing that could happen. If you have a card that ends a turn um, that's directed at a player, then it directs, then it ends the turn for both players. Is there a end the turn that can be directed at a player? I feel like those just end the turn. I, I would think so, too. I'm just philosophically throwing it out there that uh, if something oh, like here's, that here's a happened, here's a fun one happened. though uh obeka brute chronologist does have an activated ability that says the current player may end the turn there you go hmm. Hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's a sundial of the infinite that allows the current turn player to choose if they'd like to end the turn so in that particular case it would be the effect um think probably the team gets to decide which player is going to be the affected uh i i, th I think that it might come down to our decide. little right head rule sometimes <laughs> eh, probably not because it's either it's ending the turn is either obviously good or obviously bad yeah but sometimes the two heads don't agree listen something that i think is obviously good completion is often cited as obviously bad you're talking about like in the in the story sense but in the game sense you're not going to be like "Ooh, give me poison counters right eh, probably not i want those sweet sweet poison counters i'm i'm, I'm like, on that, that leech's strat you don't know <laughs> okay so there's no need to be so so um so combative about all of this though there is something that is worth being combative about you know what that is C combat it is it is combat hey combat one of the best parts of a turn if you ask me uh combat happens like everything else as a group uh your team will attack the other uh the other team as a group uh you declare your attackers with your partner at the same time when you attack for your each of your attacking creatures you know you specify the defending player or planeswalker or battle now that you are attacking uh, and each player, uh, not each player, each creature can attack a different thing, and you can attack both of your opponents as defending players, which does matter sometimes uh, for effects like melee, uh, which care about the number of opponents that you have attacked this combat. You do have two opponents that you can attack. Yeah, so this this is actually a change. People that played two at a giant in the before times um you actually just attacked the team and then if anything talked about the defending player you just picked okay well they're the defending player you know you didn't actually attack a player you attacked the team now it's no 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 you just attack the player 
and things make so much more sense. It's, it's much better. So much I, more sense. I remember with uh, Silumgar the Drifting Death just going to go, ah, I'm going to shrink your team, kill your nerds. <laughs> What's that card uh, when it attacks, defending players' creatures get minus one, minus one until end of turn. Uh, whenever a dragon you control attacks, uh, defending players' mm. creatures get minus one, minus one. Yeah, so in that particular case, you would, uh, you used to, like, attack the team, or in, in the way the old rules worked is you would attack the team, and then you would get to choose which player is the defending player. Uh now it's you just attack the player and oh look they're the defending player uh if an object in the game is asking you to find an attacking player it's talking about one of your attacking players not all attacking players uh you know the there's not any real support in the magic rules for something to be like this is multiple attacking players being referenced by one effect in the game, uh, and none of them are written that way. So you will wind up having to have one player referenced for that effect, which means you have to be a little choosy with some of your yeah. some of your effects there. Like a you know a, a attacking player sacrifices a creature, you'll you'll have to pick one of them to be that attacking player for that specific effect. Yeah. Now, there is an ex a kind of an exception to that. It's if an ability of a blocking creature is talking about an attacking player, or a spell or ability refers to both a blocking creature and an attacking player, then unless there's something else that that specifies otherwise, then the attacking then <laughs> then the attacking player is the player who controls the attacking creature that is blocking the blocking creature. So, like, if you had a creature that said, whenever this creature blocks, uh, the attacking player, you know, uh, sacrifices a yes. creature, it would have yes. to be the player who controls the creature that is being blocked by your creature. Yes, yes. And, and that's kind of one of these things where it's like, well, that just makes sense. Yeah. But it is still an exception to the larger rule of if an ability refers to an attacking player, then uh then you you, you pick which uh it's it's referring to one one attacking player, not not all, or you get to choose, it's just that one. Blocking is not so individualistic an affair though. You gotta stick up for your friends and you gotta stand together. Uh so even though you may have uh, Beeprel may be getting attacked by all of the creatures. I can still block for Beeprel because uh, Bri Brian's life is uh, is my life, and my life is very precious. <laughs> uh, and so teams can block for each other. Uh, even you know if I if a battle is being attacked, both of us can attack that. Uh, both of us can block creatures that are attacking a battle that we are defending. I can defend Brian's planeswalkers. Brian can block creatures that are attacking me. Uh, we so use long as all of our block. Uh, all of our blocks are declared at the same time as they would normally be during the you know declare blockers phase. We we line them all up at once and we look at each other and we go, yeah, that looks good. And just as with attacking, all blockers need to be uh, legal blockers, um, and that is something that you check as you go along. Mm-hmm. Yep, the whole the whole squad of attackers has to has to 
you know, not violate any restrictions, violate, satisfy the most requirements. Same thing with blocking. Yeah, you can. I I can have one of my one of my creatures and one of Brian's creatures would would be able to join forces to block a single attacking menace creature from Charles. But we cannot be in a band together. It's true. Bands are only creatures that you control. Womp. Sorry, Mesa Pegasus. All right. So just like we had rules, uh, a rule that talked about any rule, object, or effect that refers to attacking player, we have the same rule that talks about defending player. So any any object or effect that talks about defending player refers to one specific defending player, not all defending players. In the exception um, with enough... the blocking thing, where a blocking creature yep. is that player's yep. defending player. Yep, you just you just flip that flip that around for uh, a defending player. So if, like it's very very clear based on the context of the ability that no 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 it's got to be talking about the controller the controller of this defending creature. Then yes, um, if a creature is no longer attacking, the defending player it's referring to is the player that the creature was attacking before it was removed from combat, or the controller of the planeswalker that creature was attacking before it was removed from combat. Or the protector of a battle that that creature was attacking before it was removed from combat. <laughs> yeah, we didn't talk about battles in Two Headed Giant either, did uh, we? Because that's fairly We did new. not talk about battles. Uh, so, even though I cast the battle, okay, uh, Vona can't be the protector of that battle. I am not an opponent. Right. And even though when I cast that battle, I chose an opponent, both opponents can be the protector of that battle bum, bum, bum. awesome yep not the same as it works in commander though where where there's only one defender of the battle a protector whatever they're called now uh not the same as it works in grand melee either so speaking of interesting formats it's a good segue thank you thank you i thought so speaking of interesting formats um there are basically three different formats for two-headed giant uh, the first and the most common one that we run across in the wild is sealed. Um, cards not used in the team's starting decks are considered the shared sideboard, which we've already kind of talked about some. Uh, the recommended mix for sealed is actually eight booster packs. But because this so often happens uh, either at a Magic Con or uh, a larger event or at a pre-release, eight booster packs is not generally what ends up happening um it ends up either being um a box in some cases or two pre-release packs which ends up having the six packs and then the special pack uh of of cards that can be used as the as the pool to create decks um the second format that we have available to us is draft yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna make a comment though even though the recommended mix is eight booster packs yeah we see 12 so often that if you follow the recommendation, if you are a TO and you follow the recommendation, players are probably going to think you're cheap. They will be yes. confused. You, they and will that be confused. too. Even if, you, even if you cost the event appropriately for eight packs instead of 12, they will still somehow think you're cheap. And yeah. like... Yeah, you'll it can be you'll need thirty dollars for the, you'll need to have some twelve packs or twenty for eight, and they're still going to think it's like, whoa, that's rip off. I'm the it's the same price per pack. You can either go through a lot of player education, or you can just price it for the twelve packs and do it with twelve packs. Most often, um, I have seen. Most it often, you'll end up doing with twelve. Packs. 
It's become yeah. the new yeah. standard in the world of two-headed giant pre-releases popularity. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's recommended, but but only in the sense that they haven't updated the MTR to reflect reality. Yeah. Now, I hear rumor that there is a way to run this event using draft. And there's a, a little notation here that says it technically exists. I've never seen it. Brian probably has because he's the one who wrote yeah. the note. <laughs> I refuse to believe I refuse to believe that it exists. Yeah. Uh no, it does. And what happens is is um both players you, you make a pick a pick one and a pick two per pack. Sure. Oh, okay. Sure. Okay. And that's and that's effectively um I wanna say Oh wait, no, hold on. I have seen this. They I've done two headed giant drafts, uh, because they do it with Battle Bond. Yeah. You you did yeah, it, it but, was uh, four yeah. four packs and you got okay I did it once you mm-hmm. never mind this isn't as nonsensical as I was making it out to be no no it I mean it's it's still a thing that technically exists but sure. you're not going to see it unless you're very specifically at an event that is kind of requiring mm-hmm. like I have never seen it no. outside of Battle Bond Limited right I have seen it once outside of battle bond right and before we leave these two behind we did note sideboards about them the reason we talk about sideboards is even though it's best of one uh it's also continuous build so you can change your decks as you go through the event um Mm -hmm. because it's all done at regular it's all continuous build and then the last the last format is interesting to me because this one i'm sure i've never seen i've never seen it as constructed um when it's done as constructed it means that in addition to the usual single deck construction rules um, no card, no one card can be shared by both players, with the exception of basic lands. Um, the format's still best of one, so in this case, there is no sideboard. Huh. Interesting. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, because there's no continuous construction. You, right. You you showed up. You constructed already. Yeah. So if if you draw game one and have to shutter play game two, there's no sideboard. So now I want to play two headed giant pauper constructed. Okay, why? I don't know. Why not? It sounds like fun. Uh, be, be, it sounds like fun. It doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> I don't know. I think that could be kind of neat. That's. You I know think what it that would. Is? That's one of the things. It's like you you could stick this fork in an electrical outlet, and you're like, well, don't tell Whoa, me. Wait, 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 wait. We already covered that. Please, fork. please don't go sticking let's, let's forks get... in electrical outlets. <laughs> let's 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 get a let's get a two headed giant rainbow stairwell constructed going. <sighs> uh, I'm in. In. You know, just because you can do something doesn't mean it's a good idea. That's not how I operate. <laughs> I... Okay. <laughs> Speaking of operations. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, so we've talked about rules and stuff like that. Let's let's talk about actually... Um, so you are at a Magic Con. You are at a Command Fest. And you have just been told that you are head judge of the 2PM Two-Headed Giant... Collective uh, chaos uh, sealed. So confetti was confetti cannons went off in the background, and the angels are singing, and you are all set and ready to go, and it's wonderful. What's happening? How does this work? Uh, well, if you're using event link, the answer is it doesn't. <laughs> That's so true. Despite two headed giants' popularity, wizards and their software doesn't seem to care. Uh, yeah, Event Link does not currently support uh, the ability to have two-headed giant teams, and so 
uh, in order to register a team, you have one player who becomes designated the primary player of that team, and that player is rostered into the event, and you construct a roster of singular heads who brought someone along for the ride. So, uh, player, players out there who are listening to this and judges who will have to help them, please suggest that the player that registers for the event be the one with the working copy of Companion on their phone. And thank the you. most phone yeah. battery. Yes, thank you. Yep. And, and just, just so you know, if you don't see your name on the list... Go, find your, your, go find your partner. Yeah, and this is, this is really, really obnoxious because, like, player list events, like, never mind. Um, but there's like there's like a reporting aspect of this. You've got half the players in your event. Um, okay, so another thing, because you are registering, uh, there are four players per match as opposed to two players. Your table numbers are gonna kind of get messed up. No, it's fine. I'll just, uh, Brian, you're gonna you're gonna sit on my lap, right? No. Oh. Well, this might get a bit weird using. I, I'm, a, I'm, well, I'm I'm a I'm a big dude. Uh, uh, so, so yeah, so you, it's, it's basically, it's four chairs per table number instead of two. So if you just think about it, normally you have with, when you have four chairs on each side, you'll have table one, table two, table three, table four, right? Yep. With, with, uh, uh, with a, a table tent, every two tables with two headed giant or, or every, every, uh, a table tent, every uh, two sets of chairs, two pairs of chairs. With um, with two headed giant, it's going to be every four pairs of chairs. So that means all those table numbers that you've got just spread out. And setting this up takes a little bit of time. If you don't have a crew that's doing this exclusively for you, um, you may want to be checking in with your team lead or, or your head judge or, or whoever's in charge of your area. Um, up to a half hour in advance and going out there and setting it up yourself. Mm -hmm. Just to, it gives you enough time to make sure that you've got the numbering laid out correctly because I know that I've second guessed myself a lot when it comes to numbering for Two Headed Giant because it always feels like there's just too much space between the table tents. It's supposed to be like that. The, the other thing is, if you're working in a convention center, or a, a convention magic where you've got tables numbered one to three hundred. Just throw that out there. Tables one through three hundred, and you've got a big pre-release that's taking up two hundred uh, two hundred players. So your two at a giant event is going to start at one oh one, okay? And it has f uh, uh, fifteen teams in it, okay? 15. So it's going to take up uh, uh, fifteen teams. That's thirty players normally. That would go from 101 to table 116, and then your next event could start at 117, right? Well, that's, However. What's that? However, you know, because you've then used up all that space and had to renumber out your tables, sometimes you may wind up removing table numbers from the end of a thing because of, you know, due to the space constraints of how your table snake setup is arranged right what what you want what you want to do is you want to you want to just modify the number range that your players in your two-headed giant event are going to be at 
okay, and leave the rest of the table numbers the same. Yep. Okay. So be, because you don't you don't want to just like adjust these rows, these rows, spread them out, make them, you know, for 15, 15 teams or whatever, you you double the amount of size between the table numbers, and then you start numbering again, like you renumber beyond your event. You don't need to do that. But what is going to happen is you're going to take some table numbers up and then you're going to go put them by the stage because you don't need them. And then when that two-headed giant event is done, you need to remember to go get those table numbers and take them back and fix that area. It tends to be better to do it at the end of a section so that you're not doing something kind of in the middle of two other things. But if that's the only space you have, then, then that's what you need to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The first thing yeah. you so, should do is look for somewhere on the end of a section you can put your event. Then, absolutely. if you can't find a spot, you can start looking in the middle of sections. Yeah. yeah. So, so, Brian, what's a single rider? Okay. Um, I think I know what it is, but I, I'd like you to let us know what it is. Okay, so the single single rider. So the comment here, it says, it's a bad idea to pair single riders up for a two-headed giant. Single rider is just, I walk up, I don't have a buddy, and I say, I'd like to enroll in the two-headed giant event, please. And they go, do you have a buddy? I go, no. So a single rider is um, is a, a a term at amusement parks where um, you know they'll have a buggy or something like that that it can accommodate two people. Okay, but not everyone has a uh, has a buddy, so there'll be a single rider line, and then they'll just when they've got a single rider and another single rider, they'll just grab them up, put them together, and say, "There you go, sit in the little buggy together and go go." Make friends. You know, watch, uh, uh, go through the Haunted Mansion or whatever. So, and the reason why I say this is because single riders, this happened at the very last Command Fest that we did. So just a month ago. Oh my goodness. We had had two players that were both single riders and they agreed to play together. They got into the two-headed giant event. They opened up their packs. And then one of the players realized how long the event was going to be and decided they wanted to drop. Hey, um, <laughs> hey, hey, uh, Brian, I have a, I have a question there. Uh, uh, yeah. so before when, uh, when we were talking about, um, you know, when a team has one player decide that they're going to be mm-hmm. done with that game, uh, the whole team is mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Uh, hey, Vona, Vona, yeah. this is the pumpkin problem. This is the pumpkin problem. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks. So the very first question that I asked was, have they already commingled their cards? And what is the worst possible answer you could get to that question? Yeah, of course we did. Oh, sure. Yes. Now, fortunately, one of the players had the foresight to take a picture of their rares before they commingled. Yeah, that's pretty smart. That's so, good on them. Yeah. Was it the player that decided so, to drop? What's that? Was it the same no. player? Who, oh, good. Good. Okay. Yes. I'm glad. So <laughs> that issue was resolved. However, the the thing is, is when you allow single riders to pair up together in Two-Headed Giant, you are going to create other problems because they don't know each other. They don't owe each other anything. There's no requirement for them to be nice and polite to each other. Ah, this okay. is why this the happens, head exists. This happens all the time um, at different events, different sizes of events. It's really common at pre-releases. Um, you'll get really? the two-headed yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the two-headed giant, the two-headed giant single rider issue. 
very common yeah. at pre-releases. Someone will show um, up because people will show up for a pre-release and say, "Hey, and I want to like, sign up for that event," and they'll be like, "Oh, it's two-headed giant. You need a friend to play with." And they're like, "I don't have a friend." Yeah, I, and I then came here to you know play you have the sad face thing. And, yeah, they they've got to be. I I wouldn't. I I tend to would not. No, no, it's just bad. Like maybe at a local game store where like people can use like peer pressure and stuff like that to be, hey, don't be, don't be a jerk. But at convention magic, it's just they don't. Those people are never going to see each other again. There's no social pressure. Mm-hmm. Just get, it's it's just a bad. They, yeah. they open up half of their pool is is uh, whatever rare lands or cycle is a part of the pool, and the one player looks at it and is like, well, I'm not going to be competitive today, so I may as well leave. Um, yeah, yeah. Get, it happens. Get creative. Get a friend. Yeah. I brought my dad to a pre-release when I was a kid. There sure. you go. But there's no upside. There's there's no upside. It's it's all problems. The best case scenario is nothing happens. Yeah. Yeah. Re- real real talk and real talk is is that's the case all the time. Um, at the very least, please explain to the player being uh, rooked in. Um, what the time commitment is so that they know what they're getting into. Because yep. two-headed giant, right. especially if they're playing sealed, can take quite a bit of time. Yep. Yes. So right. we also have head judge announcements, which is a, yeah. a list of different things that you should be announcing uh, if you're going to head judge a two-headed giant event. And we want to cover things yep. like the, the starting life total for the players. We want to cover the mulligan rules. Uh, and that you get the free mulligan the first time. Um, we want to cover that uh, you don't draw a card if your team is on the play. So the first team to start does not draw. It's not a multiplayer event. It's two-headed giant. Uh, we want to talk about the fact that it's first to one win. It's not best. Uh, it's not first to two wins. Um, it, you can mention this here. I, I don't necessarily personally mention it in the opening announcements. I tend to mention this this thing at the at the end of round. But end of round is three turns, not five. Um, we're used to doing hearing at the at the end of a round. That's time on round. Please complete your current turn and take five additional turns. With two headed giant, it's only three. I I like to and make you, a point yeah. when calling time in two headed giant rounds to specifically emphasize to the players, please finish your turn and play three additional turns. Exactly. Exactly. And then if it's sealed, where the lands are in the room. Right. Now, one one other thing. A lot, a lot of judges love to over-talk in their head judge announcements. Under a minute, okay. please. This is, you got to get in and get out. Yep. And so, like, basically, once you say your starting life total, the free mulligans, the draw... You know, first, you know, that you're only playing one win, okay, in a 50-minute 50 50 minute round. You've got maybe one extra piece of information you can give. So, you know, maybe that might be you can't play with this particular promo that came in your, your pack. Or here's, here's a thing about how battles work, if mm-hmm. you want to lay that out there. But do not start going into... Uh, like a a five minute discussion about the mechanics of the new set. No one cares. It's also going to be so much harder to hold the attention of the players because uh, players are notorious for not paying the most attention during announcements, especially if they're playing with a friend who they might be chatting with. Right. It's bad enough when they're talking to some random person across the table from them, but when they're bringing their friend with them, they're definitely more invested in that conversation than they are in listening right. to you. 
there's also a, a, a thing that I've noticed is a lot of times you will get a, a pair of players. There is typically one of those players is more vested in the game than the other player. That's a good Almost, way to put it. Always. Almost always in two headed giant. Okay. There there's there's typically you you in two headed giant you get a lot more situations where where you have the primary head is the person wanting to play two headed giant, and then the other head is the person that wants to spend time with the primary head. Okay. And whether that's a like a boyfriend, girlfriend, whether or not that's a parent, parent, child, uh, a relationship you know whatever is you will get a lot you will get a lot more not all but you will get more situations where you will have one player who is vested and one player who is less vested and the less vested player is kind of the person i would say kind of the person that you're making these announcements for but because they're less vested uh you're dealing with a a a shorter attention span uh we've caught we talked about this a bit before but now especially uh as we're talking about how to run a two-headed giant event we talked about how sometimes uh rounds are going to go long players are going to talk to each other you are going to have matches that are going to go to time you are going to have a lot of matches that go to time uh this is going to be you know regular rel and uh we don't have the word slow play at regular rel um, but we do still want to be, you know, watching our players and being like, hey, I, I need you to make a decision. I, something needs to happen here. Uh, this is especially important in a team setting where players can talk with each other and they can deliberate ad nauseum with each other. I can't tell you how many times recently I walked up to a match, started watching it, watched it for about a half minute, watched players talk back and forth amongst themselves. And sit there, have no idea whose turn it is. And the first question out of my mouth is, whose turn is it? And when they tell me, I say, okay, I need you to make a play now. Yep. Um, if you if you run into an investigation, and this doesn't necessarily mean cheating, but this could be just any type of investigation where you're trying to figure out what happened. It's you've got twice as many people to talk to as well, or twice as many people that want to yep. talk. That that one especially. Not only do you have twice as many people you can talk to, you have twice as who have something they want to add. Or twice as many people that want to argue when you're going to disqueue dis all four of them for bribery. <laughs> disqueue when you're going to disqualify all four of them for bribery. Well, that's and, and that And that all yes. kind of rolls into the next point, um, which is because they want to talk. You also want to be very careful when explaining rules or policy and make sure that you're doing so clearly. And take the time to make sure that all four, four players understand. Um, just as we were talking a few moments ago, how um, you often have a, a vested player and a less vested player as a part of a team, um, it's important that the less vested player feels like they're being spoken to and that they understand the situation. So if you can, uh, take an extra moment and make sure that they understand as well if, if they're not uh, as familiar with magic, what's going on and what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, some something else that you can be on the watch out for because this is something that is unique to team environments is when one player is kind of playing both sides or playing both 
players' decks and hands. A one-headed, two-headed just, champion. Yeah, yeah. And so just be aware and be on the lookout for players that might not be super comfortable in this particular situation where they're just being told what to do. While you don't necessarily have the ability to, to, to say... Uh, to like step in and force a particular situation force a particular outcome you do have a lot of power of persuasion where you can just say something like let them make up their own mind or something along those lines is you perfectly acceptable as long as you're not being you know nasty Mm -hmm. about it you can't tell a player that they cannot tell their partner what to do but you can advise them that they should allow their partner to reach their own decision. Yeah, you, you want to, you know, not get into the realm of where you're doing relationship coaching for some reason. Oh, but two-headed yeah. giant relationship get... advice is the best, though. Um, I've seen things go so horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, um... just, just, just make sure that everybody has a chance, and and the best way you can do that is the judge is to make sure that the person who um for whatever reason is is I don't want to say being controlled for for whatever reason isn't the dominant player um that you ask them questions about the situation and let them participate in the conversation that helps to empower them a little bit mhm yep uh and just remember remember if you're taking a judge call you know who called you over and who has the issue and who you're talking to and don't let uh, uh someone else kind of dominate the conversation okay? if you were called over you're going to be talking to the person that's got the issue or the to the, to the person who's got the issue the problem or mm-hmm. the question uh which which is a skill uh, that applies to judging as a whole because a lot of times even in one-on-one situations where a player you know like a player from a match will call you over and then both players start talking at the same time. It's it, it's an important skill to be able to step in and moderate and mediate that conversation and talk to who you want to be talking to and let the players speak when they need to. So uh, I think that's it. I I do too. I I, I believe that's that's a uh, that's a uh, that's what we got on Two Headed Giant. Maybe next time we can talk about Emperor and Grand Melee and Team Trios. Oh, I want to I want to share my Grand Melee anecdote uh, on the battles. I think that's so. Go ahead and do that now because I don't want to have a whole episode on. Grand oh. <laughs> oh, this is the best. Uh, so here's a here's a fun fact. Uh, if a player who's defending a battle uh, is no longer a part of the game because they have lost. Uh, that battle must be reassigned to a new player. The battle doesn't just go away. Uh, in, mm-hmm. in Grand Melee, this typically means that it would be assigned to the player to your right, uh, as you can only attack the player to your left. You may find that this leads to a problem where the battle becomes inaccessible to you now. Uh, and so we wound up uh, deviating from the way that the rules work for Grand Melee to allow players to assign a battle to a player outside their spell range so that they could actually hit and complete it. Oh my gosh. So, love so it. With, with Grand Melee, you can only attack directly to your left. Left. And battles don't don't become go to the next person in turn. Order. Uh no, because the 
uh, when playing multiplayer magic and using limited range of influence rules, those ranges of influence don't update until the end of every turn. So the <laughs> so okay. you eliminate that's, that's the player the to your left, the player to the, the yes, that's the deviation. The player to their okay. left doesn't exist to you yet. That seems uh, This is largely to prevent you from being able to use some sort of infinite combo to gun down every player with your arcane bombardment strategy. Yeah, there, there is... There, yeah, there's, this is the number of cards that just don't quite work in uh, Grand Melee. So, uh, Jess Dunks, if you're listening... <laughs> Jess, Jess, Jess doesn't... He also doesn't care. <laughs> oh, you know, that's probably for the best. I'll, uh... I'm actually, uh, I'm going, uh... I gotta, after this, I gotta book tickets, uh... Uh, to Seattle for, uh... Meeting. Uh, to go see... To go see him, so I'll, uh... I'll just bring that up. Uh, please do. It's like it's very critical. Hey, hey, we're hang we're hanging out. I could post this on Twitter, but instead I'm gonna wait until we're actually hanging out and then say, Hey, I got a work question. I, I think that's beautiful. Well, well I think poor, that's about all the time. Poor, still we've got actually, today. Poor Jess. Yeah. Poor yeah. Jess. All right. So, Vona, I know that we only spoke a little while ago, but is there anything that you'd like to plug? Um is there anything I'd like to plug? I got nothing, uh, you know, at the time. Uh, I'm still. Vulnerable. Where are we gonna? Where are we gonna see you next? Uh, where will you see me next? You may next find me uh, pending acceptance at Command Fest Indianapolis, uh, coming up in June, in just a few weeks. Neat. Uh, where we can put all of the wonderful things we've learned about Two Headed Giant to use. Um, with that, I think that's our episode tonight. Or this afternoon, or this morning, or whenever you're driving to work. It's it's easy. Join us time next is time. It's time is absolute, and it's based uh, on. Join me. us next. <laughs> join us next time when we talk about. Um, let's just call it the big TBD. Okay. Uh, until then, you can send us an email at judgecast at gmail .com, or like us on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter at judgecast. Until then. I'm Charles Feather, and I keep it fair. I'm Von Oreste. I keep my other head in check. I'm Brian Perlman, and I keep advocating against running multiplayer events at competitive REL. <laughs>